This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Jerkins, and you're listening to the Batman Hi, Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 261. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Steph. And this is Ian. And we are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of November 4th through November 17th. We always have two books, as usual, to cover, and uh, we have just a small bit of news. And this time around, we have no listener comments, but we do have two different discussion points that uh, we're going to chat about if we get time to chat about both, which at this point I'm anticipating that we should. So let's get right into the news. Uh, just two quick things to talk about over the past couple of weeks. First off, on uh, November 9th, DC announced that they are expanding the Black Label imprint to include other past classic tales. Um, basically we, we kind of knew this was coming because this was hinted at back at San Diego, but they have now officially announced a huge list of stuff that's actually going to be included with the, under the black label. So that basically means that in the future, if these stories get reprinted, it's going to say DC black label until either DC black label folds or something else. But anyway, there's a huge list of Batman titles that are going to be part of this. Um, I'm going to run through the list, but there's a couple of them that I specifically want to talk about um, after I run through the list. So first up, uh, here's the list. All-Star Batman Robin, The Boy Wonder Volume 1, Batman Year 1, Batman The Dark Knight Strikes Again, Batman The Dark Knight Returns, Batman The Dark Knight The Master Race, The Joker 10th Anniversary Edition, which is specifically just The Joker by Azrael Only Bermejo, but it's going to be a special anniversary edition that's going to come out in 2019. Batman Arkham Asylum, The Joker Deluxe Edition, which is the same exact story as the 10th anniversary, Batman The Killing Joke, Batman Year 100, Batman The Long Halloween, Batman Dark Victory, Batman Haunted Night, and Catwoman When in Rome. Now, these are going to start coming out next June. Um, Some of them are coming out sooner rather than later. Like, there's a bunch that are scheduled to come out in June and uh, September... And then there's, you know, there's just a a couple of them that are coming out per month over the next year. But the idea is that some of these are not going to be any different than their last printing, other than they're going to just be the typical reprintings that they typically do. For some of these, they do it once a year. Like, for example, Killing Joke literally gets a new printing every single year. Um, Some of these other ones get a printing every year or every two years or so. Um, But the idea that I kind of want to talk about is this the idea of what Black Label has now become. For a while, Black Label, and this kind of dives into what we've talked about before with 
the mature themes and the stuff that happened with the um, jo- uh, the the Batman Damned issue that came out that had some mature content that uh, blew some people by surprise. But the thing that I want to talk about is what is Black Label? Because at this point, it feels like it's just a label to put on a set of books to sell it and say it's different than everything else. And Elseworlds has been that, um, but this feels like Black Label is focusing specifically on the creators. It's not necessarily that it's out of continuity, because we know it's not all out of a continuity. That, I mean, your one is normal, normally within continuity. Um, some of these other stories, like Long Halloween and Dark Victory, even though when they happened and they were part of mini, you know, maxi series and things like that, they they're considered part of normal continuity. They're not outside like an Elseworlds type story, like something like All Star Batman and Robin, which is not considered within continuity. It's just considered a story, not Elseworlds specifically because it wasn't Elseworlds. It wasn't classified as that, but it is known as a you know a different version of. Batman and Robin and the their story of how Robin became or how big how Dick Grayson became Robin. So like it's a different version. But it feels like, especially when you're looking at the specific uh creators that are involved with a lot of these books, you've got a lot of Frank Miller, you've got Brian Azzarello, you've got Jeff Loeb, you've got uh Tim Sale. There's a lot of the same people that are being that are popping up with some of these these projects. Um like almost every story outside of Hush uh, that Jeff Loeb has done that's a well-known story within the Batman universe is part of this Black Label now. So it feels like Black Label has now become the place where creators are focused on, but that's not in that exactly what they they advertised it as when they first announced Black Label. And that's kind of the thing that I wanted to get your guys' take on it. It can be whatever they want it to be. That's fine. But initially it felt like it was... Here's a place for our creators to tell stories that aren't necessarily within continuity and they have the reign to do what they want. I don't necessarily think that every single one of these titles was the same situation. Sure, looking back on some of them, the creators had a lot of input on what happened and things like that, but I don't know that the, all of these stories have the creators going, you know, being able to do exactly what they want, however they want they want like black label seems to have have been advertised as so what do you guys think dean you can go first um i think that black label comes with sort of a like a class or a a prestige there's a connotation of classy or classic or prestige about the idea of black label uh calling back to things like uh wine vintages or black Amex, things that have a level of quality and audience that are sort of exclusive or um, I'm trying to think of a word here. It's supposed to be the kind of thing that's like really definitive and unique and and special um i think the reason they're putting all these stories together like this is because they want to have a a really good branding uh before this we'd get projects similar to this i mean obviously you had batman white knight which has been retconned into black label as well and i think that um has the same kind of creator focus passion project very recognizable, very heavily advertised, and they they want that kind of branding 
so that they can link their their titles together so that they can get the kind of attention that it's a little harder to do when you announce a project independently um, especially if they want to do some of these creators who are you know well known and loved in the industry but might not have the same name recognition as a, a Frank Miller or uh, I mean I would say Kelly Sue DeConnick is probably well known within the industry and within a certain slice of fandom but she's never sold the same as someone like Frank Miller and so I think this black label is trying to create a branding where people expect that kind of quality even if they don't necessarily know the names of specific creators and sort of create that kind of new audience so that it's a it's a way of raising profiles so they're basically cashing in on creators like probably Azarello um I'd say his name is pretty well known definitely Frank Miller um, definitely John Romita Jr. They're cashing in on the respect and the love of fans and, and the industry for these people so that they can raise the profile of creators who who don't have that kind of capital to spend yet. They're trying to give that capital. They're trying to build the talent pool um, and the recognition of the talent pool with the, the fan base. So I'd say this is mostly an exercise in branding. It's not like they weren't commissioning this before. It's just this is a, a way they figured out how to market it. And I hope it works well. I just think that Batman Damned was not the way to start. That makes a lot of sense. My thought was that it's possible that at first they maybe had a vision for it and then realized it could be bigger than what they were envisioning. And then so that's why it seems like maybe they've backed off from their original definition of what it was. And and kept it purposefully vague so they can put all different kinds of stories, you know, like like Ian was saying, like all of the um, so, stories of a certain caliber, um, caliber, caliber. Um, so that so that yeah, you get that reputation, um, and so that you know, next month or in six months when you know Jack Smith <laughs> comes out with a story, no one's ever <laughs> heard of him. Oh, but you know, it's Black Label, so maybe it's maybe it's it's a good story. So I think yeah, you're you're probably spot on with that. Is is it's important that it, so it maybe was that they were going to start with just new stories and then realized no, we need to we need to somehow build this up, um, and that's probably when they decide to back off on their definition of of what exactly Black Label was because it could be Elseworlds or it could be continuity or it could not, and so it's like it's really kind of vague, and I think they're doing that on purpose. Agreed. I feel the, the thing is I don't have a necessarily a problem with what they're doing. Um, if anything, it really just feels like they're trying to take like the best of the best when it comes to the stories. And just and and be, to be clear, there are other things out there that they're including with this that aren't part of uh, the Batman universe. It's not as if the Batman universe stuff is the only things that are part of this. But the thing is, like the vast majority is obviously the Batman universe stuff, and it's not to say speak ill like other things out there like for example Watchmen's being included all-star superman dc the new frontier um kingdom come so there's other big titles out there but the vast majority of the stuff that's being included is superman or is is, is batman universe stuff um so that being said like i, I the, the thing is black label when i think of black label i immediately think of johnny walker black label it's just what i think of because that's what I would associate Black Label with, which is, for those of you unfamiliar, it's basically whiskeys that's been aged for at least 12 years. It's become really good scotch. Um, it's normally more expensive, but it's not 
like ridiculously expensive because it's not an expensive brand, but that's I think what most people associate black label is like that it's more it's not as common, it's more rare, it's better quality, things like that. So I think that that's obviously what they're trying to do by having all these other titles. It's definitely going to do that, but I feel as if the initial idea of black label has been slowly muted because I feel like initially I, and I and I see this not necessarily disagreeing with the way they're they're changing it, but I I think that initially like the idea of like them being able to do mature stuff or do stuff that's outside of the normal continuity, but like have the creators basically have like full reign to do whatever they want. I think that was appealing because it was going to be something that was going to be different. This just seems like now it's a place where you know these miniseries like. For example, White Knight, which was very good. I'm not saying it wasn't, but it was very good. But it was just it was a it was a mini series, and it ran its course, and now it's done. But there's no reason why you would need to sit there and say that this needs to be something that's not already happening. I mean, like there's been Batman mini series over the years, as this list uh, shows, that have been going on for a really long time. That it doesn't make a difference whether or not they've got this black label imprint or not. Um, so I, I mean, I, I agree with what I, what Ian was saying about you know the, maybe the intent is to try to have these other books like wash not not wash but like rub off on uh, you know the upcoming titles to try to give the upcoming titles like more prestige just to get them to for just to get people to check them out. So hopefully that's the case. Right, it's branding. Do you yeah. think they'll ever add so, a widening gyre into the black label? Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, th- to be honest, they never actually even finished that story. It never had a it had a uh, conclusion like it was supposed to. Um, there was always intended to be another volume that came out to wrap it up, but it never actually happened. But no one's complaining. To be fair, All Star yeah, Batman and Robin: The Boy Wonder has never, never had wrapped a conclusion. Up. Yeah, yeah, that never wrapped up either. And I brought this up actually. Uh, volume, you know, it specifically says on the list: All Star Batman and Robin: The Boy Wonder Volume One, as if there will ever be a volume two. <laughs> It ended so abruptly where it, it wasn't even like the volume it ended like with a specific arc. It just ended and it was just it done. It wasn't and going the, anywhere. And the last couple issues that came out were spaced out like over the course of like two years. It was ridiculous. But anyway. <laughs> Next up, um, we have some details about what's going to be coming for Detective Comics number 1000. Uh, on November 15th, DC announced that there's going to be two... Uh, anniversary books in 2019. If you're familiar with what DC did with Action Comics number 1000, there was basically a version of the book that had um, a collection of other stories from out throughout history of, of Detective Comics and throughout history of Batman and or not Detective. Oh. Out of action comics and Superman in general, and it was wrapped up and there was a hardcover format, and then there was another one where it was just the issue, and it was thicker than normal, more expensive than normal, but it did really well in sales. Obviously, we knew this was probably going to happen with Detective Comics because they're not going to let a number 1,000 and you know disappear. There's a reason why they went back to their old numbers after Rebirth, and it was to get to action comics number 1,000 and Detective Comics number 1,000. That being said... 
Uh, Detective Comics, uh, there's going to be two. Detective Comics 80 Years of Batman, the Deluxe Edition, which is going to be an oversized hardcover that will feature the best of the best from the Dark Knight's 80-year publishing history. I would almost guarantee you that there's going to be a lot of stuff that wasn't actually even published in Detective Comics, just because I I know that's what they're going to do. Um, and then there's Detective Comics number 1000, which says it's a landmark comic book in, that will introduce a new version of the Arkham Knight. Uh, that story will be written by Peter J. Tomasi with art by Doug Mankey. Uh, bonus stories will be included in it from Jeff Johns, Brian Michael Bendis, Paul Dini, and a lot more. Um, there's all kinds of people attached to this. It says it's going to be a 96-page landmark issue. Um, some of the other people, Christopher Priest, Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, Kelly Jones, Dustin Wen, Alex Maleev, they're going to be attached to the, the, the number 1,000 as well. Um, these are both going to be available in March. I would put money on that they're not coming in the beginning of March. They're probably going to come at the end of March, um, even though it would make sense for it to be in the second week of March to follow the normal Detective Comics Release schedule, I feel like, because Action Comics did the same thing, they held off and they released it later than they sh- than it would have been on the normal schedule, and then it, in turn, for whatever reason, it uh, launched some new stuff with uh, Superman and Action Comics from Brian Michael Bendis, which were put on actually on hiatus for a while while they did Man of Steel for six weeks. That all being said, I don't see that happening with the Bat books. I just I, I feel like Detective Comics is going to be a you know here's a big anniversary, here's a celebratory thing, but that's it. It's not going to be like a new direction for the books like they did with uh, Superman with Action Comics. I don't see that happening. But if it does, I guess I'll I'll uh, eat my words. So well, we don't have a Bendis coming. It's true. We do not. And honestly, uh, it's already been confirmed that Pierre Tomasi's not only doing, obviously he's coming on board in December. Um, we've only got, we've got the issue that we're going to review today and there's one issue left of James Robinson's run. Think, think anybody up above (laughs) for that. Um, December is going to be Peter Tomasi debuting with Doug Mankey, and they're going to be on the title up to 1000, and then they're going to be on it after 1002 because Tomasi has said in interviews that the stuff he's doing leading up to 1000 is going to carry over past 1000. So it's not as if somebody is going to be coming on the book, you know, as a big new run. On, detect- on 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 Detective Comics after the run- after the anniversary special either. So it's just going to be a special special issue that's going to be much more expensive for some people than uh, than they would normally expect to pay. Not some people, all people. I mean, it literally is going to be more expensive. I'm sure it's going to be at least ten dollars. Did they say that it was going to be? Because action was eight dollars. Did okay, they? well maybe maybe it could be eight. I don't I don't know for sure. I mean, like I was just assuming it was going to be ten because it, it's Batman. Because Batman and, sells yeah. more than Superman. Exactly. Um, I mean, if if Action Comics was eight, then it probably would will be eight. I just I was just making an assumption there because I didn't actually know how much Action Comics was. So that's me. But yeah, I wouldn't put it past them to make it more expensive. So outside of that. There is no other news. Um, there is a couple of small little things that I want to just quickly bring up. Um, solicitations. So as we are recording this, we are recording this on November 18th, um, the Sunday before Thanksgiving for those of our, or those of our listeners who are in the United States. 
Um, and we are expecting solicitations to drop on the 19th because that's typically when they do is the third Monday of the month or the second to last Monday of the month in, in other situations. Um, but typically that's when solicitations drop. I'm pretty sure they are dropping there. I, I've happened to stumble across a couple of new sources and there are some things that are coming in the comics in February that I just wanted to quickly bring up. The one that's probably going to get some people talking is the in in the pages of Nightwing, which I know there's so many people out there that are absolutely loving what's going on with Nightwing. That being said, somebody who everybody, everybody really, really, really enjoys is making their return to comics, um, and that is the Joker's daughter. The Joker's daughter is featured on the cover of Nightwing. Uh, I believe it's 54. Um, and not only is she on the cover, but the, the solicitation actually reads that she is going to be involved with the story arc going forward. Um, now some of you might be asking yourself, why exactly is Joker's daughter in this issue? Well, I couldn't tell you that answer, but I could tell you uh, an assumption, which is there's this thing that has been well known throughout the years that anytime the Joker's daughter seems to pop up outside of a, or it's, it's Nightwing number 57. I'm way off. I don't know what I was thinking. 57 is what I'm talking about, which is coming out in February. Um, Scott Lobdell is currently attached to Nightwing. And if you look back over the history of the Joker's daughter during the new 52, most of her appearances had to do with Scott Lobdell. And I don't know what he, what it is about him and this character, but he's got something something for the character because he keeps bringing her into his stories. And yeah, um, I'll, I'll leave it to you guys to vo- voice your uh, your strong strong yearning for this character to return. My two thoughts were either because Scott Lobdell can hit it out of the park. Very rarely, but he can, and he's he's done it. So yes, it's either going to be, and he's been doing it with Red Hood. Absolutely, and and if didn't didn't wasn't she in Red Hood during the New Fifty Two, yeah. and he was starting yes. decently. So it's here's it's, the thing. Uh, he went, I, I have to clarify. <laughs> Red Hood since Rebirth has been one of the bright surprises because uh, when they announced that Lobdell was going to be on Red Hood, and he was just going to carry forward what he was. You know the fact that he was the creator on Red Hood prior to the prior to Rebirth because he was the creator on the New Fifty Two Red Hood. Ed and I, who did a live reaction to the announcements, were really really upset because like it was the one book out of all the Bat books that was not getting a new creator, and it was the one that we thought needed the new creator the the the, the most. And then we were pleasantly surprised because then what ended up happening was he comes. On to Red, or you know, he not come on, but he keeps going with Red Hood and he takes it in a different direction. And it's actually been enjoyable. And outside of just a couple of minor gripes with Red Hood, it's actually been pretty decent. So the idea that this stuff that's happening with Nightwing, whether it's uh, it's you know his idea or not, I'm sure this Joker's daughter, because now you can't be cha- you can't be chalked up to well. Benjamin Percy left too soon. They're, they're, they were scrambling to try to like figure out what to do with Nightwing, and this is what they're doing. They brought Lobdell on because he was free, and Fabian Desize is helping out. Now we're far enough along where you know that they're planning the stuff like far enough in advance where you know that this character is popping up because he's choosing the character to pop up. So I just want to clarify, he can hit it out of the park, and 
it's surprising because most of the stuff we've read before Rebirth was not very good. Like even the Teen Titans run that he had, not very good at all. Um, yeah. But my, so my thought was, so he either is going to take us all by surprise, and this is going to be the best thing we've ever read, or we're going to have Nightwing themed three ninety nine toilet paper to use for February. Yeah. Those were my two thoughts. I mean, I'm not buying it, so I am not going to be getting Nightwing-themed toilet paper, but uh, I, I definitely am expecting nothing good from what's going on. I I don't understand the Joker's daughter. Uh, she's got a very confusing backstory. She's claimed to be, like, several different villains' daughters until she decided that it was going to be Joker, because he's the most famous. And... Oh... I think I, the, I just don't think this is going to be good. I, I just want to point this this one thing out that I find super annoying about the idea of the Joker's daughter. She still has his face on from the beginning of the New Fifty Two. All this time has passed since the Joker's face was cut off, and she still is wearing that face. And they've never explained how a rotting skin face, or that she's turned into a mask, is not. Decomposing. I remember there them making some comment in some book about someone like being around her and saying like her, you know, the the face was rotting and it was smelly. But like, come on, she like it'd be different if they got rid of the mask because if this is rebirth and they're getting rid of the stupid Joker's mask and she's just gonna like have makeup like the Joker. She's gonna have white skin. She's gonna you know draw a smile on her face. That's a completely different story, and I'd be completely okay with that if it was like a reimagining. But I've seen the cover to Nightwing 57, and it is exactly the same as before. What if it's just Joker's um, Daughter Month and all covers have Joker's Daughter on it and she's not actually in any of the issues? Because people want that or something. Maybe. That's the opposite <laughs> of the foil cover month. <laughs> you know, you say that as a joke, but when they did the Joker's Daughter one-shot, like Batman and Joker's Daughter or whatever, I'm not talking about the Villain Month's issue, which that Villain Month's issue also sold out and went back for like two additional printings. <clears throat> but when they did the one shot, most people were like, why are we getting a one shot for Joker's daughter? But that sold out too. And it went back for a second printing. So like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe people are mistakenly thinking that Joker and Harley Quinn had a baby and that's why they're. Oh, maybe. It. I don't know. Um, the other real quick thing about the solicitations uh, that I want to talk about, uh, well, j- just as a heads up, there's a huge crossover between Flash and Batman in, in the month of February, where Batman and Flash, uh, all four issues of both series for the month are, are one big story dealing with some sort of case uh, that, that the Justice League can't solve, so they send the two people, the world's greatest detective and the world's greatest forensic scientist, I guess, to solve this mystery, and somehow it turns out that it needs to be happening in the midst of everything else that's already happening in the pages of Batman, because, let me say, it's not as if there's not anything else going on. Um, that being said, the so one thing... is the button 2.0? Yeah, pretty much. It is. It's exactly that. Um... I think it might even be more of a crossover where, like, that one was, it, it was definitely a crossover, but there was, like, a loose connection where you didn't have to read Batman or Flash together in order to get everything because there was enough in each of the series individually to, like, see what's going on. But I think that this one is, like, full on read this, then read that, then read this, then read that. Because that's what they're doing. It seems like they're starting to do that stuff more, especially, like, with 
the witching hour last month, drowned earth this month. There seems like they're getting to a place where they're completely okay with doing those like immediate follow this release schedule to, you know, read the crossover. Um, but I just hope that they don't end up screwing Tom King and his plans up again, because he's already said that he's going to 103 because Steve Orlando wrote the, um, night of the monster man and Josh Williamson wrote one of the issues of the button. So hopefully he's, on schedule, so he doesn't have to. Press I thought, to I thought he was going 103 because he was including the annuals. Nope, nope, 103 explicitly because he did not write three of the issues so far. <sighs> Whatever. That, that seems kind of stupid because then it's like, okay, so we're going to get this number 100 issue and then that's not even going to be the end of the story. It's going to be 103. Come on, come on. If you count his annuals, then you would only be at 100 and you would only you would cancel out those two issues that he didn't write because he wrote the two annuals i don't well, whatever i don't want to sit here and this, that, that is, anyway oh my um goodness. that being said the other thing i want to bring up was we talked about solicitations when we talked about solicitations for january we said that nightwing and harley quinn had only one issue per month and we were unsure if that was because of all of the extra books that were happening because of the fiasco that's happening at the end of December with no comics and then everything getting pushed to the beginning of January and then there being like a slew of extra stuff that typically you would not see in one month um, happening in January. We assumed that it would, Nightwing and Harley Quinn are, were, were you know not double shipping because of that. But as it turns out, completely under the radar, they're only going to be single shipping f- going forward from January. So I'm not exactly oh, sure... Really? why that changed, but both Harley Quinn and Nightwing only have one issue solicited for February as well, so I'm guessing... Well, it's because neither of them are selling well enough to justify two a week, two a month. Yeah, you know, I would say that would be the case, but I don't know that that's true, because the thing is, like, if each one of them is selling twenty-five to 30,000 issues per issue... Nightwing isn't. Well, even if it's not, my point is, you're not selling... You're, you're, even if you're selling 15,000 issues per issue... If you're selling 15 and you sell it for every issue, that's 30,000 issues that you're selling per month for that one series. I don't know that that is, you know, if you take away the extra issue, you're going to drop the number of sales that you have for that series. So I don't know that it's that makes sense to sit there and say, well, it's not selling as well as it could have or it did in the past. So that's why it's going to single because it doesn't, it's not as if going to single per month is going to increase its sales per month. We've seen books that it slows the drop. You said it stalls the drop. It slows the drop. Yeah. Yeah. And I could, I could understand that, I guess a little bit, but I don't think it makes sense, but um, I'm not seeing, I am happy. I think that (laughs) double shipping needs to stop. (laughs) And I'm not saying that I disagree with that. I don't think that Nightwing and Harley Quinn need to be double shipping, quite honestly. I don't think that either one of them should. I mean, the thing with Nightwing is that it went to back to one per month, and then for whatever reason, it picked back up to twice per month for some reason. I don't I don't have any idea why, and it doesn't make any sense as to why. And then, of course, it does, also doesn't make any sense that Percy seemingly abruptly left it, and and then on top of that, the replacements that they brought in were forced to, I guess, stick to this two-issue-per-month schedule for three months before they they could go back down to one issue. And you could chalk it up to, well, advanced solicitations were already out, and that that's how it was. 
but it's not as if they haven't changed that kind of stuff in the past. They have. And there's been, obviously, books have been delayed well past. So, like, I don't understand why they wouldn't just switch it to, I don't know, it just seems weird to me. But anyway, so yeah, that's that. And as far as Harley Quinn goes, that one it has been double shipping since the beginning of Rebirth. Um, but I don't think it needs it to, need honestly. To. I, I feel like if, you re- if you've been reading Harley Quinn, they were selling two issues per month because it could and because the sales were there. But it definitely doesn't need to. And honestly, when you read some of the stories that are happening in Harley Quinn, it feels like if there wasn't two issues per month, maybe the stories would be just a tad bit better. But that's... <laughs> all right. So with that being said, that is all the news from the past two weeks. Next episode, we'll be talking about solic- the, all of the solicitations and, and you know analyzing everything else that's going on with that. Um, I, I'm not anticipating a lot of other news happening in the next couple of weeks, but... You never know. Something might get happen. So with that being said, we're going to jump straight into our comic book reviews. And the first one we've got is Batman. Batman number 58. Writer Tom King. Penciler Mikel Janin. Colorist Jordi Belair. The Penguin, trying to insert a cigarette into his signature holder, hears the news that his wife Penny has been murdered outside his club. Squawking in rage, the Penguin demands an umbrella and gets into a fight with Batman. He fires Penguin Plasma from his umbrella at Batman, but is knocked out with a solid punch. At Arkham, the Penguin goes through the brutal processing procedure, then heads down to report to Bane, sitting on his throne of skulls, attended by Flashpoint Batman, saying that it took some time for him to receive Bane's message. Later, Penguin returns to his club, free, and is greeted by his minions with a party. He demands to know where the body is, and his minions take him to the coffin, saying they waited for him. He arranges for a funeral, buying two plots, one for himself, one for his wife, and buries her. Alone, he offers the eulogy that everyone thought Penny was small and silly, passed from man to man like a thing, but he thought she was special and had a soul. Speaking to his bodyguards on the way back from the funeral, he tells them that Bane is disappointed with how Penguin's organization has handled the freeze situation. Bane also blames Bruce Wayne for manipulating the jury to help Wayne's pal Batman. Bane has instructed Penguin to punish Wayne by killing Wayne's manservant, or Penguin will be punished. In the Batcave, Alfred cleans the teeth of the T-Rex, still stained from Bruce's fight with Mr. Zoom in the button, hanging upside down from the cave roof. Bruce tells him that he's going out, investigating another woman murdered in the same way as the woman in the freeze case. Later, on the roof of the GCPD, Commissioner Gordon asks how Nightwing is, and Batman ignores him to ask about the case. Gordon continues, telling Batman that he knew a cop who came all the way back from a wound like that. Batman, insisting, learns that the police found a bit of feather under a floorboard at the scene of the crime on their third search. In the cave, Alfred hears a warning from a broken window. He hears a message from Bruce predicting what his master will say just before he says it. As Batman fights his way through Penguin's minions, Alfred walks through the empty Wayne Manor, finding a dead bird in the broken glass. We see a laser sight beam on Alfred's head from Penguin's helicopter, as Penguin quotes the love poem, The Phoenix and the Turtle, by Shakespeare, finishing just as Batman enters his office. He orders his men to kill themselves instead of Alfred, and when they do, he invites Batman to sit down. 
but they have much to discuss. So, this is a very exciting issue for me personally. Um, and as usual, I have two questions. Uh, the first is, this is the first time we've really gotten onto the, the main plot since Batman 50, when it was revealed that Bane has planned the whole thing. Literally everything that's happened from Batman Rebirth Issue 1 has been planned in some way by Bane. And this is the first real progression uh, since that revelation eight issues ago. So what is your reaction to the main plot moving forward uh, four months later? I'm completely okay with the plot moving forward. I I would say that it could have happened sooner, but honestly, because Tom King is hell-bent on this 100-issue run, 101, 102, 103-issue run, um, then I would say that I'm, I completely understand the necessity to kind of draw this stuff out. Um, Batman number 50 was in July. Here we are in, in November, and, and now we're finally getting a little bit more answers or not answers because it's, there's really no answers here, but just a movement on the main plot. I can't understand why there's this other stuff included. However, I will say that knowing that there are so many different things that are tying into the overall plot that we didn't assume were tying in, like it, at the last panel of Batman number 50, seeing that the Flashpoint Batman, seeing Gotham Girl there, like seeing these other characters that we just assumed... They were there for a purpose, but we didn't ever know what the purpose was. And seeing how it's all connected, I think it's great that it's all connected because everyone knows I like my stuff all connected. But it does feel like it's taking a really, really long time to do this. And it's not that it necessarily needs to take as long. It's just taking this long because Tom King laid this out and planned it out according to being on the series for 100 issues. And while I want to say that it could be done in less, because it really could, I I don't know that the way he's viewing everything, meaning Tom King, it could happen in less than 100 issues because he's he at least even the stuff that I feel like it's just happening to happen somehow has some sort of other connection to what's going on. So yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome seeing the plot moving forward. But um, you know, as you're reading, you're also noticing that certain little things that you may not have thought were part of the plot are are still connected. Um, like you know, they do discuss you know Nightwing getting shot. So so I you know I do wonder you know what other than just Nightwing being shot, like maybe what else involved in that is going to be part of the plot that we may not have really realized. Like you know, the Condiment King theory, maybe. In reality, he's behind everything, you know, who knows? Um, but, um, no, it's just, it's, it's, and it was an exciting issue too. So, so it's just cool seeing an, an issue, um, like you said, further, furthering the plot, adding some more twists and turns to the plot. It's not just going to be straightforward. Bane is behind everything. Everything's going to be bad. Everyone's against Batman. Like, this is adding an interesting twist of, okay, so, so, because these villains are actually human beings, three-dimensional human beings with feelings, there are certain buttons you can press on them that that are going to change the trajectory of what perhaps the big bad wanted them to do. So in this case, um, we do kind of have to assume that it's it's his wife, even though she's significantly younger than he was. That was a little weird. Um, but, you know, that Penny... Penny well, that goes into my <laughs> second question. That so Penny, Penny, Penny being, you know, murdered... Um, 
is is possibly changing the way part of Bane's plan is going to work. You know, it's 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 cool. It's cool that that it's not just a one-dimensional story. This is really seems like it's turning into a very fleshed out, very long burn, <laughs> but still still very well thought out. Hopefully. I agree. Um I said back in July uh, that I was afraid that King was just going to write normal Batman stories for the next uh, several months. I think I had in mind about six months until something happened. And here we are, four months later, uh, King is finally directly picking up. But I would say that it was it was helped a lot by the fact that Cold Days, the three-issue arc right after um, the wedding was such a good arc. Um, so even though it didn't directly say, oh, and here's Bane's next part of the plan, although we now find out that it was the next part of Bane's plan, we didn't know that when reading it, it was such, it, it was really top tier. It was some of the best writing I've seen from Tom King, and Tom King has done some really excellent writing, so I'm not just saying, oh, you know, he's mediocre and, and this is this is really good. No, this was top tier from a top tier writer, right after an emotionally devastating event. So the three issues of Cold Days were a big help for me to get over the fact that we're not immediately following up on this, the reve- revelation from Batman number 50. I think that the next four issues, um, the Nightwing one-shot and the KG Beast three-part arc, were not nearly as satisfying to me. Um, I'm not... There's a lot of reasons why. I mean, you can obviously listen to our our reasons why that is, uh, because we've gone over them. But I think that here we're back to that that level of, of emotion and, and plotting and details that I think is really king at his best. And I, I think that it's really nice to see that he has been working on this plot the whole time, even if it wasn't always immediately obvious. So, uh, my second question, as I sort of spoiled a little bit ago, is we're introduced to a dead wife of Penguin. And I'm going to... We, we have been able to find out that uh, this is his wife. There, there was a lot of speculation about how she could be a bird or a penguin, and he just loved her a lot because he's a weirdo. <laughs> now, Penny was his wife. She was a human woman. Um, we know from the tombstone that she was about 20 years old. Um... How do you feel about this this new element being introduced and then suddenly, you know, she's immediately dead when she's introduced for Penguin and how it relates to this story? So when I read it, I was confused because I thought to myself, did I miss something? Did King show that Penguin was married at some other point or hint at it or something related to it? And no, no, he hasn't. No, it was never explicitly detailed that Penguin was married. Um, I also then wondered, was there something in continuity that made me believe that this would be a possibility? And in continuity, um, Penguin, there was somebody named Penny way, way, way back in the day. There's also somebody named Penny um, that was a secretary in the the show that I wish not to discuss, uh, known as Gotham. Um, But the thing is, like, it was very weird. Um... And I can only say that by itself because there's not a lot to go on. I was confused because I didn't think it was actually his wife. I was thinking, like, who is this person? He's referring to a female 
somebody, female character, not necessarily like I'm not going to sit there and say I thought it was a penguin, <laughs> but it was it was a little. I got so mad at people on the internet for that. I mean, like it was a thing that was out there where people were like legitimately like, hmm, maybe it is a penguin, <laughs> and I was like, but really? I mean, like I guess you could love a pet. That's entirely possible, but. He bought a burial <laughs> plot next to himself for this one penguin that we've never even heard about. So that's so weird. But then when you look at the perspective of, but it's, but if it's not a penguin and it's an actual person, why have we never heard about this person up until now? Like, it's such a weird thing. So the, the thing is like looking at the story, it was, it was strange that this, this was happening and there was a character that we never even heard of that suddenly is dead. So there's that part of it. But the other part of it is, I feel like it was there for a reason, but I feel like King probably should have planted something in the story at some other point. Like, even if it was like a throwaway comment, like Alfred says something like, oh, there's word out, out in the streets that Penguin is, is has married or, you know, something just to like have something to go back on. Like, this doesn't feel like there was anything setting this up and it just feels strange because of that so the thing is like it's one of those things where like i'm not exactly sure why it is the way it is and it was uh, and yes the idea of it being a penguin is kind of bizarre and crazy but it's one of those things where it's like should it really be something that you need to question like should anybody actually be sitting there saying like maybe it's a penguin because we don't know anything about a wife and we've never heard anything about a wife like i wondered if it had something to do with like the there was that Penguin Pride and Prejudice miniseries that I really enjoyed, but I thought to myself, no, I don't remember there being anybody named Penny. So, like, that didn't make any sense. And then the references of, well, there, this this female character has family but and wants to know where Penny's at, but Penguin's not going to let them know and doesn't want to have anything to do with them. is very weird, very strange. And as much as you can chalk it up, the, you know, the age difference, sure, there are plenty of older men who marry younger women, but this was such a weird thing. And like, I don't know. I, I think I was just more peeved about the idea that this is somehow something that exists within the mind of Tom King, but he chose not to tell anybody about this beforehand because it just goes back to like, I guess there's a bunch of stuff that's constantly happening in the other world. That is Tom King, which is the, the pages that we never see. And that is like Stella's beloved off panel. Yes, and that, and that that is like ridiculously annoying. And this is something that like you don't just have happen off panel. If if Penguin was meant to be married to like show something and like to show what's happening here, it should have been shown somewhere else. And I don't know why it wasn't. That's that's my only takeaway from this. Like, do I care that he has a wife? No, I just, I guess I'm more care that I didn't know he had a wife before she was killed and we're supposed to like feel bad for Penguin and feel the emotion that Penguin feels the way that it's being written here is because we don't have any idea that Penguin was ever married. So, um, yeah, I definitely agree with that last point that, that we can't right now feel the emotion if, if we know anything about Tom King, hope, you know, there is a high likelihood that we will find out the backstory eventually. We will find out who Penny is. I think. I think it's so. There is so little information about what Penny is, or who Penny is, that I have a feeling we are going to find out more about her later. In his slow burn storytelling style. Here's yeah. hoping. Here's hoping. Um, I tell you what confused me is I read this and then I read you know 
this 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 mesh, this session's reading of Harley Quinn, and there's a Penny in Harley Quinn who's a villain trying to impress her father with her villainy. And so I was like, wait, is Penny his daughter? And this storyline's going to end with her dead because she's dead in Batman. So I I managed to confuse myself quite quite heartily. But then I realized the tombstone said that she was married, so she had to be married to someone, so probably Oswald. So she was probably... Anyway, so there's that. <laughs> but, um... What was the question? <laughs> I was at the ER till 4 o'clock this well, morning. Just it was, what are your reactions to this revelation of... Yeah. Um, Penny and her relationship with Penguin. Like, how do you feel about? So, your yeah, I think. Yeah, expectations are that we are going to find out more about it. Um, I was very confused because of flippin' Harley Quinn, who can always confuse me. Um, isn't that her job? Isn't that her job? <laughs> and I, I just love the because even though yes, we don't know about Penguin. And to be honest, if there was like a whole issue with the Penguin's love story, I don't know if I'd want to read it because, yeah. Oh, because like going going to the very very end where where his henchman willingly kills himself and the pilot just because Penguin told him so. I was like, I don't know if I think Penguin's that obeyable. <laughs> like like what? Yeah, if he demands, the I know. Like thank you, thank you. That I don't know if that kind of loyalty is. I don't know. That's just really. I don't think I'd kill myself if the Penguin told me to, even if he was my boss. I don't know, but. I think it's it adds definitely a layer to his character that is very interesting, and I think it's going to make this story a lot more deep than just "we're going to get you crazy, Batman." Or however, Penguin talks in your head. Well, I I'm actually kind of pleased. I uh, I get to be the positive one about this issue. Um, I really love this issue, um, and I'm really hoping that Tom King doesn't. Do what he did in I Am Suicide, where I I adored the first issue of I Am Suicide. It was I read that and I was so excited for what was going to happen next because it ends with Catwoman in jail, sort of in a straitjacket, like Cannibal Lecter, and she's just saying meow. And we find out that she murdered all these people, and I was just so excited because it's so much stuff going on, and the art was great. And then the rest of that arc was just kind of, eh, I don't I don't like it. So I'm hoping that this doesn't happen again here for the Tyrant Ring. I think that Tom King has a better handle on stuff now because he's doing these three-issue arcs instead of trying to do five or six issues. Um, I, I will admit, if you only read this comic once, it doesn't read super well. I read it multiple times, partly because I'm reviewing and partly because I just I like to reread things. And at first, it's very disjointed. All of a sudden, you find out that Penguin had a wife, and now the wife is dead, and now he's fighting Batman, and it just jerks from scene to scene, and all this new information without context. But rereading it, it feels incredibly powerful. There's just so much emotion in the way Janine draws Penguin's face, and there's this parallel between Penguin and Batman in that Bane took Batman's marriage. And now he's taken Penguin's marriage. And because of that, Penguin is deciding to align himself with Batman. And there's this sort of Shakespearean thing. I mean, I'm thinking of Shakespeare because he quotes a Shakespeare poem in this. But, you know, I'm also an English major, so I just love Shakespeare. There's this sort of... In the play Hamlet, there's Hamlet, the main character, and Claudius. And they're they're at war with each other secretly. Um, because Claudius is a murderer and Hamlet wants to kill him. 
And there's these characters who get caught between them. There's like his girl, Hamlet's girlfriend, Ophelia, and Hamlet's mother and Claudius's wife, Gertrude, and the famous Rosencrantz and Guildenstern who end up being dead. Spoiler, because that's the title of the second play. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Um, and so all these people get caught between these titans, these just enormous characters. And I think Penguin is caught between Bane mm. and Batman. And, you know, he was serving Bane, but it, he probably wasn't super happy about that. Now that Bane's destroyed the person he cared about most, you know, he's going to throw himself in with Batman, even though he knows it will probably destroy him, because he feels like, at this time, he doesn't have anything left to live for. And I think I'm reading a lot into it, because we're not given a whole lot of information. Uh, so so here's my backstory. I don't know if Tom Kim's going to write a whole issue. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But I looked at the, the fact that she's so much younger, and I said, well, this is like a very a much older, very, very powerful uh, man. Penguin is very powerful. He's not super attractive, but he's got a lot of money and a lot of power. I mean, the fact that he's able to command suicide from his minions, although that is kind of unexpected, I think Tom King is showing that he's just this intense, scary person, which is compelling to a lot of people romantically. I mean, that's why we have things like Jane Eyre and Wuthering Heights. Um, And so... I think this was supposed to be a very brief time frame because she's she's so young. So I imagine they've probably been married less than a year. She might have been a waitress. She might have been something. But I imagine they've recently been married. Penguin had this this real infatuation for her. But he's he's also a very class classical uh, classically educated person. So he knows Shakespeare and all this stuff. And so he sort of casts himself in this tragic light, even though we know he's a villain. He's kind of an absurd and and cruel person. He still has these feelings and he wants to view himself as the romantic lover of someone who's lost his wife. And I think that that parallel with Batman and the the way that King and Janine tell the story really drew me into these these connections. And I felt just sort of emotionally just shattered when I was reading it because it's bringing me back to Batman 50. It's bringing me back to just the loss that Batman felt after that. And so I'm connecting that to the loss that Penguin is, I assume, feeling. And I, I like the difference. Like, Batman goes to Job. He goes to, to looking at himself as a, a biblical figure. Penguin sees himself as a sort of aristocrat, quoting poetry. And so there's there's a difference there. And I like the intelligence that Tom King shows in this characterization. Um, so... This was a really exciting issue for me, not just because of the plot, but because I was really involved emotionally. I thought it was just well-crafted, and I was on board. And maybe I'm just giving a lot of like my own feelings into it, but I think it was, it was really good. I'm very excited about this. Okay. Well, I can say that I'm excited, too. I just I hate stuff happening in off-panel world. Maybe if this is pre-panel land. It's poetic. Yeah. I, uh, I, I've ranted about this too much. I don't want to. I don't want to turn this into another angry episode. So, okay. With that being said, I'm going to give this issue of Batman a total of four out of five. I concur. Four out of five. Did I do a three point five? I believe so. Okay. Yeah, it's either three point five or four. It was really exciting. I really liked it. All right. So that's going to give Batman a total of four out of five batterings. Let's move into our next book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number nine ninety two. If you were hoping for an unangry episode, just, just mm, I'm really holding my tongue here. I swear. 
Detective Comics number 992, written by James Robinson, art by Carmine D. Giandomenko. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Um, at this point, if you've been listening, you know that I say a lot of names wrong. Okay, so Batman asks Two-Face, what's the difference between a zealot and a fanatic? Two-Face asks if he is talking about the modern religion or cults. Although there could be some allegory between Batman and Two-Face being either a zealot, uh, a zealot or a fanatic, Two-Face knows that the philo- philosophical discussion centers on Cobra and their ideology. Batman states that they are a cult, but their organization is not as it once was. Just as a snake they are named after, they are immensely dangerous when wounded. Cobra began with a mad genius named Jeffrey Burr. He was kidnapped by the cult of Cobra and raised to become their leader. After warring against Batman, the Justice League, the Outsiders, and the Suicide Squad multiple times, Burr died at the hands of Black Adam. With his death, Cobra changed. Their primary goal was no longer world conquest, but the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Kalyuga. However... Their growth has been waning, and these attacks in Gotham are becoming desperate. After telling Two-Face all of this, he and Batman stop Cobra from blowing up the Gotham Museum. The leader of the Cobra, the Nagus, is one of the few remaining members who has not been knocked out by Batman. Uh, Batman, using his grappling gun, hangs the Nagus upside down, hoping to interrogate him. Just as the other Cobra members, Nagus' brain bomb explodes, and since he's the leader, he is kept in touch with the other Cobra operations in the city, and Batman needs Nagus's cowl to access their data. Two-Face asks Batman what else do they need to know. Batman responds that things do not line up for a master strategist like Carl Twist. Cobra's strategy is too simple. Something's not right. There must be more to it. Batman radios Alfred and asks for a status quo uh, for the other uh, status report on the other Cobra attacks. Alfred says the teams of uh, Katana and Black Lightning, Orphan and Batgirl, and the Fireflies, thanks to the help of Two-Face, and as well as Batwoman and the Signal, have defeated Cobra at their other respective locations. Uh, Gordon and the GCPD enter the museum and asks what the next steps are. Batman figures out what Cobra's true plans are. And that is that they are going to release a mind-controlling agent in Gotham's water supply. Okay, so Detective Comics number 992. Um, first up, I, as as many of you out there have probably known for quite some time, I'm, I'm not liking this. I can't wait for it to be over. I have two real quick things to talk about. First up, the... The reveal that their main focus is to release a mind-controlling agent in the Gotham water supply. As much as uh, it wasn't a mind-controlling agent, there was definitely something very similar that happened in a little old movie that's a little over 10 years years old. It's called Batman Begins, where Scarecrow was trying to release a fear thing into the water supply of Gotham through the basement of Arkham Asylum. Coincidence? Uh, I'll say sure, it's a coincidence because this, this story is just stre- screaming coincidence. I, that's not even something I have to ask. The, the question, the, and I don't actually have a question. Um, <laughs> that, that's the, that, that's the, 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 the blatant honesty of, of this is I, I don't really want to discuss this for too long. The other thing that I do want to say that, uh, I do deserve, I, I think does deserve a call out is the art. The art is really, really good. Um, D. Gman Deco, and, and I am slaughtering that name. I'm sure of it, and I wish I knew how to actually say his name because, truth be told, it's this is some really good art. Um, 
the 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 coolest thing I think I saw was, and I posted this in the Discord um, after the issue got reviewed on the site. The final panel where you see the Cobra agents like in some sort of like hazmat gear, wetsuit, whatever gas gas suit that they're wearing as they get into the sewer as they're walking through the sewers. That final panel, that concept of like the outfit that they're wearing is really really cool. I don't know if he pulled it from somewhere else that exists. Honestly, I can't say that I'm completely up to date with all pop culture references when it comes to hazmat suits. And I, and I know that there's a lot of video games out there where stuff like that is constantly happening. And I don't, I don't have a lot of time to play a lot of video games as much as I would like or used to. So that being said, the idea of the way that those suits looked was really cool. It could easily be, a cobra, a bug-like suit, something like that. Big eyes, you know the 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 helmets that are like basically like bellowing over their entire bodies. It was really cool to see. Um, art-wise, great stuff. Story-wise, utter junk. But I guess, what did you guys think? Uh, do you guys have any just comments? I don't have anything to ask because I don't think it deserves to be talked. I think I, I yelled when I finished because I was like, oh, is this almost over? And then like, oh, no, that wasn't the real plot. The plot was something else. And I thought, no, no more. Why is it not finished? Um, I loved the Bat family coming together. I've really missed not just 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 other people in this book. And so having that one panel of, of the Outsiders and Batgirl, that was, that was pretty cool, um, seeing them all work together. Um, I did have a question. So Batman's giving a lot of history about what's going on. And is any, do you know if any of that, like, is actual continuity or is he just, is, is Robinson just making everything up? Is there? No, okay. it's mostly in continuity. The- I mean, I. Yeah. I mean, it's not not in continuity. I'll say that. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, he he does a lot here, so it really depends oh, on what I'm, specifically you're wondering about. But most of the stuff I read, I was like, I've read stuff like. I don't have anything specific in mind, just because I hate I hate zealots, I hate Cobra. It's they tend to be fairly one dimensional, and it's just <laughs> not my cup of tea when it comes to stories. So I was. They're almost yeah. literally zombies, so they're incredibly <laughs> snake zombies. Like I just I don't really care. I was, you know, the interesting thing is most the most recent story of Cobra that I read was there was well there was two there was the Suicide uh-huh. Squad one where um, Deadshot's daughter is kidnapped by Cobra yeah. that happened earlier this year. But then there was also in the Bane Conquest maxi series there was also this underlying connection to Cobra and Bane basically like facing off against Cobra multiple times throughout the the maxi series. The Bane Conquest is questionable of whether or not it's actually in continuity. When you look at it, I don't think I don't think it is. I don't think it's meant to be, but I think it very well could be. Um, Continuity, as in like taking place right now while everything else is going on, definitely not. But there's nothing that happens in the issue that contradicts anything that's happening anywhere else. Like if you take the maxi series and just place it within the timeline, it's not really jeopardizing anything that's existing. It's just when you look at Tom King's entire story and how Bane's involved, the idea of the Bane conquest story and Bane actually like partnering with Batman temporarily, like it doesn't Mm -hmm. work because of Tom King's story. But there's nothing in the story that makes it need to be outside of continuity other than it just not being able to take place exactly 
during the publication <laughs> time frame of when it did publish. But um, yeah, I mean, like they keep popping up. There's, I, I honestly like of all the things you could do with Two Face. Do you see once that sweet, sweet Hydra yeah. money? I mean, the thing is, like, if you don't. Of all the things you could do with Two Face, I don't know why Two Face is involved with Cobra, like, or like this story. I mean, like, he's trying. It feels like he's really stretching to try to like make a connection between the two to just basically say this is why this mm-hmm. is happening. This is why we started with Two Face, but we're moving on to Cobra is because of these connections that I'm trying to make you realize that that's what's happening. And I don't think it works. I mean, like, I guess if you really like deep dive into the explanation you can make it work but it seems way too like forced mm-hmm. to like make it work like so. if the original concept had stuck where it was harvey that was doing something bad and two-face was trying to fix it and it, it had something to do with a legal proceeding or a case that would have been decently interesting but this is like why <laughs> why is it cobra what does that have to do with anything I mean, my reaction, I, I checked out of this a long time ago. Uh, I really liked, as Steph said, seeing the Bat family. I thought that was really nice. Um, the art, as I said, I really hope that DJ Domenico stays on as the rotating manky because doing double shipping, they're going to need another person. He would be great. Uh, other than that, this is... Oh, I have one. I have one. Um, they found an excuse for Batman to fight around a T-Rex that's not in the Batcave. That was cool. Because <laughs> I like T-Rexes and true, Velociraptors true. and Pterodactyls. Think about all the damage. I know. I was thinking that. It's like, oh, Batman's in so much trouble. Like, I don't know a lot about, you know... I mean, let, let me be clear here. I don't... I, I cannot sit here and speak to the value of bones and dinosaur models and things like that. But I know one thing, and that's when I was in fifth grade. Um, I, so I live in the Chicagoland area. In When I was in fifth grade, the Field Museum, which is like the Natural History Museum here in Chicago, that museum, there was a T-Rex, that, uh, t- a T-Rex set of bones that was purchased between McDonald's and Disney, and they donated it to the Field Museum. And it was like... $50 million or something like that for this T-Rex bones. And I, and like it was donated, uh, you know, as I think it was $50 million. Maybe I'm just thinking $50 million because it was an exaggeration because I was like 10 years old at the time. But like, I remember that and thinking that's a lot of money. And like, when you go to the museum and you see the bones, it's just a bunch of bones. It's like, they're really old and that's obviously why it's so expensive. And it's this specific type of dinosaur, but it's one of those things where it's like, when you see a situation like this happening in a comic where there is a massive fight happening in the museum and there's no regard for the stuff that's in the museum, you can't replace that stuff. Mm. You cannot go and like just replace a bunch of fossil bones. Like you can't. Like models, sure, you can buy a new model, but there's not a lot of museums that don't have like real artifacts inside. I think of them. a lot of times, and I'm just talking out of pure ignorance. I think a lot of times the the display bones are often like plaster casts, and the real ones are in like yeah. a safe somewhere. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. Yeah, but regardless, you're right. But still, I mean, yeah. if there's any art yeah. or anything, and those animatronics can't gone. be cheap. I mean, but huh? Bruce Wayne has <laughs> trillions of dollars. So I guess it wasn't, it was just, 
I'm, I'm looking it up real quick. It says uh, two research laboratories funded by McDonald's were created and staffed by the museum. Uh, but it says that the auction began at $500,000 and it ended up getting purchased for $8.3 million. The highest ever paid for a dinosaur fossil at the time. It was between it was it was Disney. It was a California State University system, Walt Disney Parks and Resorts, McDonald's, Ronald McDonald House Charities, and a bunch of individual donors that bought it. But anyway, the that actually makes sense, I, and I I would not doubt that because I can't imagine the liability of having like these decaying bones out in public and not like somehow preserved it like in like a zero whatever it's called, the zero, like the one where it has like no air pressure. Mm. But anyway, yeah, so that's that. I mean, I will also say that it was nice to see like a little of appearance from some of the members of the Bat family, although it's a little odd that certain members are appearing while there are other otherwise indisposed in other areas. That one makes complete sense because she's not appearing she's anywhere. She's in Red Hood? Point. She's in like Appleton? She, she was, yes. She was in Red Hood at the same time that this issue came out, so that's true. Um, but I meant she doesn't have her own that's series true. anymore, so it makes sense that she could pop up in another title, as she's also doing in Red Hood. Um, Batgirl, I was, I was almost hesitant as to why Batgirl would be there, because she has, not not recently, but there has been situations leading up to what we're at right now where Batgirl specifically is not going out of her way to help out situations dealing with Bruce. Um, but it was nice to see that she was there. I know that she was in the story with uh, that, that Brian Hill did, um, but she really wasn't super involved. She was just there, in my opinion. But then it was was nice to see that the art reflected her current costume mm-hmm. change that we saw in the pages of Batgirl too. So that that was nice to see as well. But yeah, Bat family showing up that's always a good thing. But it's really just like a cameo yeah. shot. Like, hey, look, here's this person. But if but, we're looking for good things, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you really got to stretch for good things in this this arc. But uh, yeah, so. I'm just going to wrap up that conversation and say Detective Comics gets a total of one and a half from me. Two out of five from me. Two out of five, just for the art and the Bat family. And then over on the site, Tony gave it one and a half, so it's going to give Detective Comics a total of one and a half out of five Bat ranks. That is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's jump over to the site for Greater Gotham. First up, on November 7th, we had main TBU books, Batman number 58, The Penguin Must... Oh, I don't know why I'm reading that. Hold on a second. Da, 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 da. Make sure we edit this out. Okay, let me try that again. All right, so that is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's jump over to the site for Greater Gotham. First up, November 7th, main TBU books. We already talked about Batman number 58, Nightwing number 52, Rick Grayson responds to a call for help. Detective Saboda investigates a murder and Sapenza recruits a team of Nightwings. Uh, this would be Dill. He gave it one and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Neutral. It's, it's good. It's just not Nightwing. It's readable. It's neutral. <laughs> thumbs down. I don't think it's good. 
Harley Quinn, number 53, facing a costly bill from recent events. Harley has her own YouTube channel and is getting increasingly desperate for views and likes. This review by David, he gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. No secondary TBU books. Main DC Universe books. Adventures of the Super Sons, number four. Robin and Superboy are rescued by Joker Jr. and they head to space, only to be stranded on a planet where they must battle a haunted house. This review by Bill, he gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs thumbs up. up. Deathstroke number 37 as Slade slides deeper into the madness of Arkham his family is swept up by the whirlwind this is by Ian he gave it three and a half out of five I'm going to give this one a thumbs up (laughs) thumbs way up Justice League number 11 Drowned Earth continues as Aquaman seemingly dies at the hands of Poseidon this is by Corbin he gave it two and a half out of five I'm going to give this one a neutral Secondary DC Universe books, Suicide Squad, Black Files, number one, Harley Quinn appears in the issue. Moving over to November 14th, main TV books, we already talked about Detective Comics, Red Hood, Outlaw, number 28, Jason takes his investigation of Appleton to the county fair, where he mingles with some locals. The fair takes a dark turn when the residents unleash a zombie-like monster on Red Hood. This is by Bill, he gave it three out of five, I'm going to give this one a thumbs thumbs up. Catwoman number five. Selina tries to save her sister Maggie from getting a sinister injection in the hospital and runs into some trouble, while Mrs. Creel makes a drastic decision which affects her whole family. This is by Jerry. You give it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up because there were some really cute shipper pictures in this in this issue. Oh, you're right. So I was going to give this a <laughs> thumbs down. Then Steph reminded me that there's that amazing scene where Selena dreams of Bruce. And so I'm going to give this a neutral just for that scene because I'm really not enjoying anything else. I, w- I do want to correct myself from last episode, though. I thought that this was selling way worse than it is. It's actually selling really well. And I'm happy for the rest of the line. I don't like it, but, you know, it doesn't have to be for me. Lots of people are buying it. All right. No secondary TBU books. Main DC Universe books. Suicide Squad number 48. Amanda Waller is held prisoner by, and her only hope are the ones that she treats as disposable. This is by Bob. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 And then um, secondary TBU books. We had Plastic Man number six. Uh, or I should say secondary DC Universe books, Plastic Man number six, Hugo Strange appears in the issue, Superman number five, Batman has a brief cameo in the issue. Uh, Then moving into TBU trades and hardcovers, we had Batman and Robin, Bad Blood, DC Essential Edition trade paperback, Batman, The Gates of Gotham, Deluxe Edition hardcover, Batman, Sins of the Father trade paperback, Mother Panic, Gotham AD trade paperback, Justice League Rebirth, Deluxe Edition book three hardcover, Crisis on Infinite Earths Companion, Deluxe Edition volume one hardcover, a very DC Rebirth holiday sequel trade paperback, Gotham City Garage volume two trade paperback, The Brave and the Bold, Batman and Wonder Woman hardcover, Nightwing volume eight, Lethal Force trade paperback, and Teen Titans Go volume five, The Falling Stars trade paperback. If we gave a thumbs up, thumbs down, neutral, or even abstain to any of these books, we have full reviews of those over on the site. Um, Every single week we have comic reviews Monday, Thursday, not Monday. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. It's been a long day, I guess. uh, It's that Detective Comics. (laughs) It just gets to you. 
Um, <laughs> Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Wednesday are all the Bat books, Bat specific books, Batman books. Uh, Thursday is all the supporting allies, Nightwing, Catwoman, Harley Quinn, that kind of stuff. And then Fridays is all the DC Universe books that we cover, including Justice League, Teen Titans, Super Sons, things like that. Um, and then any of the big event books are also normally on Friday as well, like Heroes in Crisis, Doomsday Clock, that stuff. So that is where to look for reviews. If you are checking out any of the reviews, be, to sh- be sure to leave comments about whether you agree or disagree with the reviews given or whether or not you have any comments, uh, specifically questions about past issues, leave those comments. A lot of the reviewers that were reviewing the books right now have been reviewing the books for quite some time and probably can answer questions that you may have about those titles. Outside of that, be sure to also check over there on the site because uh, over the past two weeks we had a couple of new reviews, uh, or I should say editorials. First one is The Next TBU Collected came out, which dealt with Batman and Robin Bad Blood, which was previously uh, collected as... Batman and Robin, which was clearly correct, uh, previously titled Batman and Robin Born to Kill, uh, but there's a new edition that is called Batman and Robin Bad Blood, uh, taking the name from the DC animated film from a couple of years back. Um, this one is collecting Batman and Robin uh, number one through eight from 2011 to through 2012. Um, also, in addition to that TBU collected, we also have another character spotlight. Um, the second part of the KG Beast character spotlight uh, was done by Colin. That is available over on the site as well. Um, that is the second and last part of the KG Beast character spotlight, but we're always trying to get new and original content on the site, so... If you have any interest in sharing original content with us, be sure to get in touch with me at tbu at thebatmanverse.net. All right. That being said, before we move on, I want to quickly thank our uh, our, our Patreon supporters. Thank you to Theodis, Robert, Stephanie, Ian, Anthony, Arturo, Irwin, Brian, Jay, uh, Real No Deuces, and Donald. Thank you for all of your support at those levels uh, and anybody who's supporting us at the lower levels as well. Uh, we greatly appreciate all of your support. If you are so inclined to either get rewards, because there are a bunch of different things you can earn, such as additional episodes, uh, audio recordings like podcasts, mini podcasts that we have to offer, like TBU Raw, TBU Extra. Uh, we have that kind of stuff that we release every single month. Uh, for different tiers. We also have different sweepstakes uh, contest type things where if you are a supporter at a certain level, you get an entry into a sweepstakes. This month, we not only have uh, a decent prize package totaling well over $100, but we also just got a statue that just got added into it. Um, Our friends at Eagle Moss uh, gave us a statue. It's like a foot and a half tall Batman statue uh, that's also going to be part of the sweepstakes for the this quarter so if you support us between now and the end of December or I should say the beginning of December because you'll anytime in December if you support us anytime through December you'll have an entry if you support us in November you'll get two entries uh, for November and then you'll get one in December too if you support us for both months and then your entry could get you a pretty decent sized prize package so that is an option and a reward for those out there as well um so thank you to our patreon supporters if you do not want to do patreon but you want to do a one-time donation uh you can head over to the site click on the link in the menu bar that says show your support for tbu there's a direct link where you can use a credit card or any other form of payment other than obviously cash um to pay uh or to make a payment through paypal um 
that way it's a secure payment. You can just do a one-time donation. You can also just lend us your time and skills. Uh, we're always looking for people with all kinds of skills related to, you know, news writing, audio audio editing, video editing, graphic design, web developing, um, any of that kind of stuff. So if you have any special skills at all, even if I didn't mention them, you have some special skills that you'd like to, you think could be helpful to us. Get in touch with me at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. Also, uh, if you are interested in reviewing comics, we're always looking for new comic book reviewers. Um, and all you really need to do is be able to read comics and review them. Um, it's pretty simple. Uh, if you read the reviews, you'll notice that there's a very specific pattern that are a lot of our reviews, that all of our reviews follow on the site. So uh, if you're interested in, in getting involved in that, be sure to email me, tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. All right. That is all of that. Um, there are no listener comments. I don't know what's going on. I, normally I would say it's because of the holidays, but holidays haven't happened yet. So I'm guessing it's just because I guess we didn't have a lot to talk about. Or most people are just ignoring what's happening to Detective Comics and aren't paying attention to half our podcast. I don't know. Uh, it's the, it's the, 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 unfortunately, it's the card that we are dealt here reviewing books that suck sometimes. That being said... We do, however, have two discussion questions. Uh, hopefully, we're going to get to both of them, but we're going to start off with the first one. And the there was a question presented to us, I don't even remember how long ago, but it was presented to us, and it was basically, and I'm going to change the the idea of the thing to make sure there's a very specific type of answer that you can give. But here's the hypothetical. You are a, a creator, an editor, uh, not an editor, you are a writer for the Bat Books. We did this a couple episodes ago with what books would you have and what books would you get rid of type thing. But this time around, it's more a little bit more specific. You are a writer, you are writing a story, and your editor comes to you and says, here's what has to happen. We need you to kill somebody. We need you to kill somebody within the Bat family. Um, we're not talking villains here. We're talking a member of the Bat family. So that's the allies, the immediate Bat family. I'm pretty sure those of you who are listening to this know who I'm referring to. You have to kill somebody in the Bat family, and this character is not going to come back for a minimum of 10 years. could be longer. We're talking like Jason Todd situation. You're going to kill a character, but you're not going to see or hear this character for at least 20 15, 15, you know, 10, 15 years at least. So basically that's what you have to do. So you guys have to tell us who you would kill. And then I want you to tell me why you would kill them and what you, the intent of, or the reasoning why you would, why you would kill them. So let's start with Ian first, because his is going to be a little controversial. <laughs> I think everybody's can be a little controversial. So, so, mine would never be approved by any editor in their right mind. I would kill Bruce Wayne. Um, and my reasoning would be, if people are so obsessed with uh, killing off like Dick Grayson because he ages Batman, or killing off extra, quote-unquote, extra members of the Bat family because they're not popular enough to have their own solo titles, why not age everyone why not actually go for a, a future and have dick or jim or azrael or anyone or Cass be batman and and show an actually different um status quo i think it could be really uh exciting 
I had thought of that. That that, is, that was something that intrigued me. There, but then when it was a ten year absence, I was like, "There's no way. There's no way. No." <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think sales could sustain it, but I think it would be it would a very interesting period of time. It would be actually different. Mm-hmm. People would definitely remember it. Well, I was thinking it should probably be one of the sidekicks that that would mean something. And as we're seeing in Nightwing, if you get rid of Nightwing. They're going to fill that void with something just awful. <laughs> so either an army of Nightwings or if you were reading um, Injustice, you know, um, Damien takes over uh, Nightwing. Um, so that seems like it would be decently easily fillable but not necessarily memorable. So I was thinking probably Barbara Gordon because I feel like she's been around long enough that it would mean a lot and it would be felt when she died. But we also have other Batgirls that people have missed that I think could fill that void satisfactorily and people would be decently content with with Cass and or Steph being being Batgirl in her in her stead. Oh Steph. I have it and I don't want to, so I'm gonna stay off Discord for a while after this issue episode comes out. (laughs) But I mean, yes. you know me. I would be perfectly fine with this. Uh, um, well, okay. I, I don't want to say perfectly oh, yes. fine because I do love But I think that's Barbara. the point. Is it's it's Oracle. someone that you would miss. And, and the way but, Steph's um, been written for Detective, it seems like she could actually fill the Oracle boots probably. And then Cass could be Batgirl. Or something like that. Or something like that. But no, the, w- the Barbara fans, all, all of the characters mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about have, yeah. have very, very dedicated fans. That's why people that's love them. I just think that would. Oh, this I'm would sure go it would. very So would poorly. Killing Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. As I said, no one would ever approve it. I just think it would be good. And that's not because I hate Batman or Bruce. I think mm-hmm. I just think it would be a story worth telling. Okay. So I thought about this long and hard, and I was trying to come up with a situation as th- that, that would work. There would be a reason behind it. There could be some really good stuff that could come out of it, but also it's not like this ginormous status quo situation where you suddenly have a void that needs to be filled that is as important as somebody like Bruce Wayne, per se. Um, but what I came up with was I would kill Alfred. And basically the reason why I would kill Alfred is because I feel like Killing Alfred is something that is different. It's not something that you would typically see. I mean, let's be honest here. We've killed a bunch of Robins over years. Um, and I think that, or I should say sidekicks, not necessarily just Robins, but sidekicks. But I think that killing Alfred would give some sort of, it would give something different to Bruce Wayne. Kind of like what we were hoping to see with Batman getting, or Bruce Wayne getting married to Selina. Like seeing like, hey, this is going to change his perspective because he's now married and we're going to see a different Batman and it's going to be different. We're going to see different stories because of this change. I think that if Alfred wasn't around, we would see these changes. Now, obviously Alfred has gone through the ringer plenty of times over the years. I mean, the guy's had his hand chopped off, his arm chopped off. Uh, he's been, had the pulp beat out of him. I mean, just this issue of Batman, we have got, you know, a, uh, sniper about to take out Alfred just because that's what needs to happen, I guess, because of the story point. But if Alfred was actually to die, Bruce's world, I feel like, would be rocked possibly more than anybody else that he is, that he's, you know, that's in the Bat family. And I say that because 
Alfred's been around longer than anybody else. Now, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to go the route of having a villain kill Alfred and then like Batman the whole vengeance thing or like what we're seeing currently or what we just saw with the whole KG Beast thing and Nightwing. I don't want to see something like that. I want to see I want to see like an exploration of how act- how how Alfred operates on a normal basis. So like I would structure it in a way where and I, and I say this, and I, I literally thought way, way too much about this. But I would structure it in a way where literally something happens to Bruce. Alfred has a heart attack, and he dies. That's just it. He just he dies. And Bruce isn't there to, like, save him. He's, he just dies. But then the next, immediately after he dies, we go into, like, a three-issue story arc of, like, the week leading up to Alfred dying. And you see, like behind the scenes of everything that Alfred's involved in, mm. uh, involved with. It's not just he's sitting in the Batcave pushing some buttons or walking around with a, flower, uh, a feather duster or bringing a, a, a tray of tea like we see so often. Obviously, he's involved in way more. We know that he's involved in way more, but we don't see that that often. So you do a three-issue story arc where you see the ins and outs of everything that Alfred does and you see that, you know... There's not just it's not just him who works at Wayne Manor. There's actually some other staff. There's a chef. There's there's you know a maid. There's other people who work at Wayne Manor. And then Alfred, using his actor background, actually disguises himself as Bruce Wayne to make people think that Bruce Wayne's <laughs> around more often than he's not. And you know, like you know, just go kind of nuts and just you know, like show what Alfred does, like all the stuff that he has to deal with and like how stressful his world can be because of everything that he deals with related to Batman, but not just Batman. Like we've seen him involved with other characters outside of specifically Batman. Like we saw, like he was dealing with uh, the Robins and we are Robin. um, And he was kind of like the person behind, but then we also see now he's dealing with Dick Grayson. He's traveling to Bloodhaven to check on Mm -hmm. Dick Grayson because for whatever reason, Bruce Wayne's not. And like, we see him interacting with people on the phone all the time. Like this is stuff that we see, but we don't really think about how much he's involved in. And I think showing how much he's involved in and seeing the stress level and then seeing something like maybe bad happening to Batman and then Alfred reacting badly because he's super stressed out, having a heart attack, dying. It would be horrible for Batman. And you then you come back and you have a funeral and then somebody has to fill in that, that void of like this massive gap that's in the Bat roster. And who is it that's going to fill that roster of like who's the person who's really helping behind the scenes because you can't just have – I mean I guess you could have an AI as they've had in like Batman Beyond and things but – have something, somebody, you know, fill in for Alfred or something. Like, I think it would present something interesting. It would be something worthwhile. Alfred could eventually, like, you could bring him back way into the future as, you know, some sort of crazy thing with, like, the Outsider tying back to the Silver Age story. Um, But the thing is, like, there's, there's, I think it would be an interesting story, and I don't think that it would be, like, a massive thing where you'd have this giant uprising of, of fans, like, super pissed that Alfred's dead. Sure, there are going to be people who are upset, but it's not like killing Barbara or killing Dick or killing Tim. Like, I don't think that Alfred has, like, that fan base that is going to be that vocal about him dying. Like, I think a lot of people would understand that it's a huge emotional thing, and to see Batman, like, the fallout from that, I think it would be huge. I just don't want it to have to deal with, like, a villain killing them off. I think that would be, that would that would take the story element away from it, so... 
Well, if Snyder had stayed, eventually he would have died. <laughs> he probably would have, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, <clears throat> I'm not super surprised because we've seen Kyle Hickens kill Alfred and we've seen Frank Miller kill Alfred, both in alternate futures. But I think having Alfred die in normal continuity would be a different Especially if he was approach. dead, dead. Which has yeah. So, yeah. Well... Like Sarah Essen Gordon, he's not a superhero, yeah. and therefore yeah. he would die for good. All right, so that is that question. Hopefully, you guys enjoy it. If you guys have suggestions of who you'd see want to see killed, I'd love to hear them because honestly, like I think this this is an interesting discussion point. Even like reading people's responses of who they would get rid of would be an interesting. Just you know, just interesting to talk about too. Like someone thought that Jason Todd really needs to be the one that dies. Why? Why do you think that he's he's the one who should die? What comes of that? And I think that's what's interesting to me is like it's one thing to say somebody, but it's another thing to like what 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 do you see after this person dies? It can't just be like well, I don't like this character, so I'm just gonna. Get that's what I was that. going to do. Sure. You, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like. That's right. usually what the um, that's usually what the, the editors is like, do. You can do that, obviously, because it's done all the time. But the thing is, like, I think that killing somebody off should mean something, should have a reason, not just I don't like this character, so let's just get rid of him. And I think that if you're going to chime in with us and like leave your comments about what character you'd like to, you you would you would kill if if told you needed to kill somebody. Make sure you say why you would kill that character because that's important. If not just as just as important if, as you know who you would kill, so that's that. All right, so we've still got time for our other discussion point, and our other discussion point. Well, I was going to actually quickly add to the last one. Do you want to mention what Titans is doing online? Where for their poll? Uh, well, okay. <laughs> well, I'll say it, but it's not it doesn't mean anything. I'll, I'll, okay, yes, it doesn't mean anything. So basically, uh, if if you've been watching Titans on DC Universe, which I know that's limited legally to people within the United States right now um, because that's the only place that it, it is is on the DC Universe app which just happens to be only in the United States eventually I think it's in January it'll be coming to Netflix internationally in most locations that being said Jason Todd has popped up in the show Titans and I guess as a fun thing I, maybe fun is not the correct word they do. DC has a very that's weird true. idea that's true, of fun. But, but when you see the results, it's actually a little bit more interesting. But basically, there is a poll right now that DC is running where they were they said that if we were rerunning the idea of if, if if basically if if so back in the 80s we had this you you were able to to vote whether or not to kill Jason Todd or to keep him alive. And if you wanted to kill him off, you kill, you called one number. If you wanted to um, have him live, you called a different number. And basically what it comes down to is uh, there was there was a vote. And you could re- rewrite the history of the, the DC Universe by casting your vote this time around. Um, what was interesting to see, though, is that... Back in the day, the votes were like very, very close. It was like a 52 to 48 percent, you know, and 52 percent said to kill him. And that's what the, the, the direction that they went this time around. However, at least this is as of uh, two days ago when I cast my vote. Um, 
there was, you know, there the Joker fails and Robin lives was actually at sixty nine percent, and the Joker succeeds and Robin dies was at thirty one percent. So it seems like there's many more Jason Todd fans now. Although anybody who's a fan of Jason Todd now probably needs to understand that Jason Todd would still have to die in order for him to become the character that he is now. That being said. The other possibility is that the people who are voting are just watching the TV show and don't want this version of Jason Todd to die because they like it. I don't know. It's messed up either way. It's up to your intuition. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's that. So that that's happening. It got some people fooled because we were for, – for a second, especially on our Discord, we were talking about this a couple of days ago. The poll popped up and it was like, wait a second. Are they doing <laughs> – should we vote Jason to die or live and this is how it's going to happen in Titans is based on the vote? And that was kind of like, <laughs> what? Moment. And it turns out it's just, it's just for fun as put. But – I don't think fun is the <laughs> right. not the right word. But anyway. Could, but yes, our second, second discussion. discussion. So with the um, introduction of, of Uberic, um, there's been some complaints about what is the point of this story. And that got me thinking, well, what is the point of any story? Like, what do people mean? What is your definition of this story has a point? Because to me, when I heard that as a new comic reader, I just assumed, well, it means it has to be continuity changing. And I thought, well, that's not fair because every story arc can't change continuity. That'd be insane. So what what do you guys mean? And I, 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 uh, I stole my answer from um, the wonderful Jessica um, on Discord when we had a small discussion there. So, But to, what do you guys think is the should be the point like what what makes a good story what makes a story have a point and helps you enjoy reading it so i have absolutely no problem with a story happening like here's the thing i might not like what's happening with with the nightwing story but i think that the point of the story is to do something different and I think a lot of times when things are happening that we don't necessarily agree with, it's because DC's trying to just to tell a different story, or the writer on the series is just trying to tell a different story. The fundamental problem with that, and the reason why I think there's so much backlash when stuff like that happens, is that changing the fundamental nature of the character is what pisses people off. So when you have a story like what we're getting with Uber Rick right now, the problem is that it's not the character at all. It's not even like a version of the character. We're doing something completely different, but it's not at all the character that everyone knows and appreciates and in most cases loves because this is a completely different character. Um, that's why, I mean, like, and to be fair, they are calling him Rick, not Dick Grayson, to make sure that you are fully aware that this is not the same character. Um so I think that for me, when the question is like, what's the point of this story? I think it's more about, does this have a reason? Is this something that's going to hold a place in the future? Um, not every story has to be super meaningful, full continuity driven, fully plot driven. This is like ongoing, like what we're seeing with Tom King, where like somehow everything is somehow interconnecting back to this one singular plot it's just all tying into it the thing is i don't think that everything has to be like that but at the same time it is concerning to me when you have stories that get away from the fundamental fundamental nature of the mm -hmm. character and 
So like, am I completely okay with them trying new things? Yes. They can try whatever they want, but ultimately if it's not well received, when they get too far away from who and what the character is, that's when you deviate back and you say, okay, maybe we went a little too far and you do it. I mean, like I understand that they write in advance and in some cases, some of this stuff is planned out like six months in advance, but we know that's not always the case because of how some of the art ends up turning out um, with art, art with three artists sometimes being on some books or, you know, the two different artists writing two different time periods in a book because they're trying to give time in between, you know, that the stuff wasn't planned out. Mm too far in advance where they could have easily tried to change something and then change the next thing in the next book. You know, it's small things that you could easily small. The smallest thing could easily change the direction going forward. So for me, the point of a story can be, you know, if I say, what's the point of this? It's because it's just a waste of time. It's not because it's, not something else like the the stuff that's happening with Nightwing. I can honestly admit I might not be liking it, but I understand what they're trying to do. Something like that's happening in Detective Comics. There's no <laughs> point to this. Like it's literally just here is like to take up space, and that's the problem. And that's that's my main concern when when you get stuff like that. Um, you know, having a story that's just like a three issue story arc that just deals with Batman dealing with a villain. Is there a, a point? Is this continuity driven? No. But as long as like it's a decent story, you're not going to ask your, yourself what's the mm-hmm. point of this unless it's taking up space that should be used for something else at that exact time. So, I've talked a little bit about this before back when I first joined um, a few months ago. And it goes back to the idea that a story has to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And... Comics don't have an end, um, which is why we have so many beginnings, because beginnings are relatively easy and exciting, and they matter because they do change continuity. If you're introducing a new character or you're revealing a new thing about a familiar character by retelling their origin, that matters. Uh, It's why year one is so important. It's why one of my favorite stories is, of course, Detective Comics um, 647 (laughs) to 649, the introduction of Stephanie Brown. Uh... These stories may or may not have endings, but they have beginnings, so they have a recognizable part of a story. The problem with most stories, though, in comics, is that they are part of an infinite middle. Uh, we're, I mean, technically we're in the seventh or eighth year of the New 52 slash Rebirth continuity, because they're, they're still basically in the same continuity. Um, but we're also, in some sense, uh, in the... 32nd year since um, the first crisis because that's really what set the modern DC universe on its current track. We're also in past the 80th year of all of DC and in some sense all of DC is important because writers like Grant Morrison and mm-hmm. Tom King do reach back to those early issues. Um, so we're, we're in a middle. <clears throat> we're never going to get to the end because as much as <laughs> I might personally dream about killing off Bruce Wayne... They're never going to, and I don't think they necessarily should because Batman will continue to make money, and that's not bad. But I think this means you have to take a fundamentally different approach when it comes to what matters about a story. Um, If you're talking about a normal book, Mm -hmm. what matters is does it have a good beginning, middle, and end? When you're talking about a comic, you have to talk about, well, beginning and end in what sense? Because you have to begin and end without really changing very much. Chuck Dixon would talk about the illusion of change. 
Um, and all writers know that whether they are willing to reset or not, yeah. the next writer will reset what they did. Um, so I think that the real thing is if you're telling a story in modern continuity, um, so not like in Elseworlds, mm-hmm. like uh, White Knight, where you can do drastic things. If you're telling something and you're not allowed to do drastic things, what you have to do is you have to focus very heavily on having a solid individual story structure. So there has to be beginning, mm-hmm. middle, and end for the individual conflict. Um, and you also have to have really strong senses of what gives the audience pleasure about this story. Um, so I'm not perfectly convinced by, by Dustin's idea that it has to be new, but I do think it has to be interesting in a way that has to both connect to the history of the character and show people something that has something about the way it's told that is different than what's gone before. And I would say Tom King is a good example of this because he doesn't introduce a lot of new characters. I mean, maybe he introduced (laughs) Penny, but killed her off immediately. Um, But he is retelling a lot of old stories, but he's doing it in a very unique way. So I think the new thing is not necessarily the new villains or a new part of villains. I mean, that's Scott Snyder's thing. And I think we all have our own problems with the way Scott Snyder will take a villain and completely reshape their personality and origin and even give them new powers so that they don't feel like the old villain. Um, Tom King doesn't do that. I feel like most of us would say, with some exceptions, like Penguin being able to command his minions to commit suicide, these are the characters we know and love. These are the people that are recognizably the people who have been around for 80 years or 40 years or however long they've been around. And so what Tom King does is he puts them in conflict in a way that he can tell the beginning, the middle, and the end in his own way. So he's not just retelling Nightfall or retelling Ten Nights of the Beast, but he has those elements. So they're recognizably that person, and they have that pleasure of spending time with these people we know. But he also has this this craft, this storytelling style. So he, he likes to do things that are sort of out of order. He likes to be disjointed. He likes to really focus on the emotions and uh, sort of tell his own philosophy of, you know, sort of existentialism and trying to create order out of chaos, trauma, and depression. Um, and I think those are the things that, that draw me to, to Tom King. My own personal, I would say probably my personal favorite Batman writer is Chuck Dixon. And what he does is he just has this really great sense of the individual or short form story. He sets up conflict. He has Batman have these sort of witty dialogues and his interactions with the characters and he has longer running emotional arcs but it's still very much focused on these individual problems that he's able to tell in a very polished way it's not like deeply emotional very often but it's very pleasurable and exciting and he's got that real sense of adventure that you know i think a lot of people really enjoy about comics is this this pure adventure this this heroic fantasy that you can have so to me what matters is is there craft involved? Is there skill involved in setting up this smaller conflict in this infinite middle? And do they tell stories about characters that I love in a way that I recognize them? And it's why I have such a problem with some mm-hmm. of the things that Scott Snyder did is because I don't recognize a lot of those characters. Those are both very good answers, and it does help help me think about this too. And so um, I was just going to totally steal Jessica's answer pretty much word by word. So when she reads a comic, what she says is um, – she considers the five following things, and I loved her five things, so I think I'm going to start using them too. Does this explore any facet of the character? 
Um, two, will this lead to consequences that can move the character forward even after the arc is finished? Three, does this add up to the lore? Four, is it refreshing? a refreshing exploration of a superhero theme? Or five, is it an interesting theme in itself? And I really like that because it does let you just have a small, silly story, or just not silly, but a small, inconsequential story that still, as long as it's exploring the character, can still be considered worthwhile and have you know, be be good and have a good point and all that stuff. Like, like the the issue, you know, the couple of issues a while backwards. They, all it really was was exploring um, Dick and and Bruce's relationship together. Like, almost nothing really happens. Yeah, but but now yeah, we know them a little bit better. We've that. seen a little bit more of their history, and it's because so many of those retellings are you know always. Well, this is how you know Dick Grayson came to live with Bruce Wayne. That's great, but you know he grew up there. He had a longer life than that. So so that just little slice of life of of their life together was just i thought it was very enjoyable the art was unfortunate but you know it was it was very enjoyable (coughs) (laughs) but so i really i really liked i like jessica's answer a lot Mm -hmm. no that's that's a great answer those are great things to think about when you're being is and and i i don't have the same five things obviously but i do think about what am I getting yeah. out of this story? And I think that's really what your question is. And it's going to be different for everyone. Like, not everyone reads a book for the same reason. Um, and you're going to get different things out of it. So I just I just wanted to know your guys' um, thoughts on that. And so thank you very much for sharing. All right. So hopefully you guys enjoyed those two discussion points. Uh, and if you have future discussion points, be sure to suggest them. These uh these were what we had this time around, and hopefully you guys enjoyed them. So if you guys have comments about whether what you think, what matters, what is important when it comes to the stories, be sure to share those as well in the comments section on the podcast post. You can also share those on our Discord or on Twitter. Just be sure to tag uh, to tag us on those, especially if you do it on the Discord, because there are a lot of comments that flow through, and we don't always realize that you want that comment read on the podcast, because we do respond to a lot of those comments on Discord right away as they happen. So, that being said, that is everything for this episode. Uh, we have all kinds of stuff for you to check out over on the site. Um, you can check out news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course the comics. Be sure to check out all the other podcasts we have to offer. We have lots of podcasts that are releasing all the time. New episodes of Backlot Oracle, which I uh, recently guested on, and uh, talking about Batman No Man's Land. So if you are in desperate need of a super, super long <laughs> podcast, there's a four and a half hour long episode of Backlot Oracle for you to check out where I long I talk way more than I probably ever should have um, about No Man's Land and some other things. Um, so be sure to check that out. <laughs> no, yeah. it was great. Everyone I had a lot of fun doing it. it. I also talk talk a lot about the current run of Batgirl, um, which I'm, I'm really enjoying. So if you haven't, if you want to hear me talk more about that kind of stuff, check out Batgirl to Oracle. Also be sure to check out uh, Robin Everyone Loves the Drake, Bat Fans. Uh, there's new episodes of that. Um, you can check out all of that stuff over on the site. As it happens, those happen... Typically, they happen Tuesday through Friday. There's also a new episode of Bat Books for Beginners, which uh, the latest episode was Robin, A Search for a Hero. Um, so there's lots of stuff, uh, always lots of stuff. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all these news and videos related to the Batman universe. Be sure to join our Discord. If you haven't joined Discord, it's as simple as typing in your email address and immediately starting to chat with us. The link is over on the site. Um, you can chat with uh, myself, 
Ian and Steph, as well as all the other staff from the Batman universe um, over on there, as well as tons of other Bat fans as well. And I will say that we do do a lot of uh, spoiler stuff uh, over there just because we can, because it's not public and it's not technically online. It's just in this little itty bitty chat room that we have. So be sure to join if you have not. Um, in addition to that, um, you can leave us reviews on iTunes. It's always, always greatly appreciated, but completely unnecessary. And uh, you can leave comments on the website. Those are always greatly appreciated as well. So that being said, this is Dustin. This is Steph. And this is Ian. And you guys have been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks.